Amen. Let's just continue to worship the Lord, shall we? Jesus, we love you. We worship you. We praise you. God, we love you today. You are so good to your people, God. You are so good to your people. God, you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. You are our healer and our savior and our redeemer of our souls. Thank you for being who you are, oh God. Thank you for being who you are, oh God. You have been better to us than we have been to ourselves, God. Who would we be without you? Where would we be without you, God? Oh, thank you for leading us. Thank you for guiding us. Thank you for directing us. Thank you for your blood that you shed on Calvary. Thank you because I know you are the resurrected Savior. Thank you, Lord God, for being so good to your people. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in advance for what you're going to do in this house today. Thank you for what you're going to do in our homes all across the Chicagoland area and even across the world. Thank you for touching lives. Thank you for touching hearts, God. Thank you in advance for the text messages and the reports we are going to get of the miracles and and the blessings and salvations that happen, God, because of the word of the Lord that is about to go forth. Thank you in advance, God. I have high expectation in my heart, O Lord, for what you're going to do in these next few moments. And we're going to give you praise in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. I feel very strongly impressed of the Holy Ghost to speak the word of the Lord that I'm about to speak today. And so I'm just going to ask right there in your home again, one more time, I'm going to ask, please, let's let's try to silence all distractions, as many distractions as we can silence so that everybody in the room can be focused uh, upon the, the word, uh, the word of the Lord that is about to go forth. Amen. We just want everybody to be able to, uh, to for their not to be anything that would try to get our attention off of the word of the Lord. And so if you would help me with that, I believe God is going to touch some lives and some hearts today. I I feel to speak on this subject, it's time to come back home. It's time to come back home. There was a child born in Scripture by the name of Jacob. And the Bible tells us, and as you begin to read the story of Jacob, and uh, you, you begin to see that Jacob was a schemer. J- uh, Jacob was a conniver. Uh, in other words, Jacob was a, a con artist of sorts. When you read the story, you'll find that he, he wrested the birthright from his twin brother Esau. And, and with his mother's help, he, he tricks his father into, into giving him the blessing that was supposed to go to his brother, his brother Esau. When Esau finds out about this, when Esau finds out that Jacob had tricked their father into giving uh, Jacob the blessing, Esau, as you can imagine, is, is upset. Esau is mad, He's, and, 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 he, and he purposes to, to find Jacob and to kill him for what he had done. So Jacob hears about this. Jacob hears that his brother is out looking for him to kill him, and so uh, the Bible tells us that Jacob flees. He leaves, and he runs away uh, so his brother can't get to him and murder him. And so, so here we find Jacob, and he's running through the desert. He's fleeing for his very life. He's, he's running until he feels like his, his, his lungs are, are, are about to burst. And, and just kind of put yourself in the store. We find him here running, 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 and, and he's scared for his life. And he finally, he finally begins to slow down a little bit, and he begins to take inventory of, of where he is. He's just been kind of uh, just wildly running just to escape uh, his brother. But now he begins to look around and to see where, where, where he was and, 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 and what, what, where, where he's supposed to go from here. And he realizes, you know, I, I better stop and I better make camp 
for the night. I better stop where I am. It's getting dark. and I better make camp for the night. And so he finds a rocky hillside. And, and even though it's not the most comfortable place to sleep, he's, he's too exhausted to find another campsite. And so the Bible says that he, he, he reaches around and he, and he pulls close to him a few rocks. And, and he uses these rocks as pillows uh, from which to lay his head. And, and so he takes his sandals off and he bundles up tightly into his coat and and uh, with one more look down his back trail he 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 lays his head down on this stony pillow and he goes to sleep it's within a few moments possibly a fitful sleep that 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 he begins to have a dream and it's not just any dream. It's not a dream uh, that was caused because of something he ate or because of the circumstance that he was going through, fearing for his life. No, this dream was not just something natural or physiological. This, this dream was a God-given dream. For in his dream, as he begins to dream, in this dream he sees this golden staircase ascending into the heavens. And, and he says, and he describes it as, as the angels were descending down the staircase and they were ascending back up the staircase into the heavens. And, and above this ladder, above this staircase, stood Jehovah, the Lord God Almighty. And we find that with this heavenly vision before Jacob, as these angels are coming down and going up, you've got Jacob in the dream at the bottom and the Lord at the top. And, and then we had, they begin to have this conversation. Jehovah God and, and Jacob begin to have this conversation in the dream. And God begins to give Jacob some promises. And Jacob begins to give God some promises. And, and those promises were that the Lord would protect Jacob. And the Lord was going to allow Jacob to be able to live. And, and, and specifically to the point of the message today, the Lord was going to uh, bring Jacob back to this specific spot where he's having this dream. And Jacob makes some promises as well to the Lord and, and that he is going to come back to this place and, and this, this place of communion with the Lord. And, and, and he's going to give what he has unto the Lord. And so here we find Jacob has this wonderful encounter with God. Jacob has this wonderful encounter with the Lord. Finally, the sun begins to rise and Jacob begins to stir and morning begins to, to come upon the land. And, and the Bible says that Jacob arises from his place of sleep and, and, and he's remembering this dream, how wonderful it was and how glorious it was. And the glow of that dream is still all upon Jacob of this tremendous encounter that he had with the Lord. And so the Bible says that Jacob gets these stones that he had used as a pillow and stones that he had used for his bed and he begins to stack these stones kind of one on another and, and he begins to build this altar out of these stones that he had used for a pillow the night before. And the reason he builds this altar is to kind of commemorate this moment, to commemorate this encounter that he had with God in that dream. It was such a wonderful encounter with God. It was such a glorious encounter with God that Jacob said, I don't, I don't, I don't want to forget this place. I, I don't ever want to be able to walk by this place again and not know what took place on this moment. And 
understand I want to be able to come back to the very place where I had the encounter with God. And so I know where to come back to. I'm going to take these stones and I'm going to build this memorial. I'm going to build this altar. I'm going to build this thing as, as, as to commemorate this encounter that I have with the Lord. And this is where we pick up the story in the word of the Lord. For it says this in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 18. Stay with me now as I lay a foundation for where I feel God would want to take us. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 18, the word of the Lord speaks to you and I today. And it says, and Jacob rose up early in the morning. And he took the stone that he had put for his pillows. And he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil on top of a type of anointing, a type of, he wanted to sanctify that moment, sanctify that pillar as something holy unto God. Pours oil on top of it, verse 19, and he called the name of that place Bethel. Everybody say Bethel. He called the name of that place Bethel. The word, when you study it out, that word Bethel means the house of God. It means the home of God, the habitation of God. And so here Jacob has this encounter. He builds the stone. He pours this memorial to the Lord. He he pours oil on top of it to sanctify it. He calls this the house of God, and then he leaves. He leaves. But we need to understand that when he called that place the house of God, He was not referencing an actual house. There was no actual house. There was no actual temple at that place. There was no wood and and, and, and anything else of that day, maybe canvas or tent of sorts that that could be construed as an actual building or, or an actual house. But rather, he was referring to that place where he had had this marvelous and miraculous encounter with the Lord. This is the house of God. Not because it's an actual house, but this is where I encountered the presence of the Lord. And here's the thing. That was the specific spot Jacob encountered the Lord. That was Jacob's story. That was Jacob's Bethel. But you and I could have a Bethel as well. For the house of the Lord, the house of God to the rest of us doesn't always just necessarily mean a building, a church building that we drive to in order to encounter the presence of the Lord, in order to encounter uh, the power of God, the miraculous ability of God. No, 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 no. You don't have to go to a building in order to encounter the presence of the Lord. But Jacob is showing us uh, that you don't have to be in a building, but wherever you are, you can experience the presence of God. Wherever you are, you can have a meaningful encounter with the Lord. The term house of God, the term house of God is, yes, house of God, home, habitation of God, but it is speaking about that place. It is such a deep thing. It's more than just an edifice. It's more than just walking into a building that has a church sign out front, but it is a place where you open your heart to the Lord and the Lord opens his heart to you and there is communion and there is togetherness and there is an encounter counter between God and man and man and God. And you don't have to be in a physical church building to have that encounter.
encounter with the Lord. For the house of God, the house of God is referencing a place of security where it comes and when it comes to the knowledge that you can have that I am in right relationship with the Lord. I can get to that place where I have that knowledge. I have had such an encounter with God that I can have knowledge that I am in right relationship with the Lord. All throughout the scripture we find the house of God and the individuals in the word of the Lord who had these wonderful Bethel moments. We find the house of God to Adam and Eve was walking and talking with the Lord in the cool of the evening. Was there a building there? No. Their their Bethel moment was walking and talking with God in the cool of the evening in right relationship with the Lord. The house of God to Moses was in the middle of the desert and a burning bush. The house of God to Jonah was in the belly of a big fish when in communication with God he got his life turned around. The house of God to the three Hebrew children was in the middle of a fiery furnace when they realized that their God truly can make a way where there seems to be no way. That was their Bethel moment. That was their house of God moment. That was their encounter with God moment. On and on and on the list it goes and we can find that what might would be considered to this person and this person and this person as the Bethel moment, your encounter with God. God. David gives discourse of deity's dwelling place when he speaks and he says this in Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy. He's not saying I can only experience that in a church building, but he said that when I get into your presence, and I don't have to be in a church building to experience that, but I can be in my own personal Bethel moment. And when I get into that moment, I find the fullness of joy. And at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, hallelujah. The book of Acts speaks of a time of refreshing that only comes from the presence of the Lord. There is a place called Bethel that you and I can experience wherever we are. And when we get into that place, it'll be a time of refreshing and a time of renewal, a time of spiritual rejuvenation. The apostle Paul gives further clarification when he declares the kingdom, the house, the home, the habitation, the the Bethel, the house of God. And he says in that place, their righteousness and peace and joy are found in the house of God, in the spirit of God, in our Bethel moments. Uh, It was in the house of God in the Old Testament where the sins of humanity were dealt with uh, and the sins of mankind and the sins of humanity are still being dealt with even today when we get into the presence of the Lord. And it is especially, hear me now, it is especially during times like what you and I are facing, this COVID-19 and coronavirus, the pandemic, and we're all on lockdown. It is especially during times like what we're facing now that I'm so glad to know that all of God's power and all of God's ability and all of God's might is not contained in the four walls of a church building that somehow you got to get to the church building. Somehow you got to get to the church get into the building in order to experience the presence of Almighty God. But I'm here to tell somebody you can have a Bethel moment right there in your living room. Oh, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. You can have a Bethel moment right there in your car. Wherever you're watching this, you can have a Bethel moment with God right there, right now. Because the house of God to you may be in your living room. The house of God to you may be in your bedroom. The house of God to somebody may be out in the woods. The house of God to somebody else may be in your car as you drive down the road. Because it's not about a building. It's about an encounter with an almighty God. It's about coming into relationship. It's about encountering God and God encountering man. And that can happen wherever you are. Your Bethel moment. Your Bethel moment. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Because it's at that place, that Bethel moment, the house of God, wherever you are, wherever you are, that we will find forgiveness of our sins. And we can find peace for our lives. And we can find joy. The most life-changing things that ever happened and that has ever occurred in my life happened when I was in the presence of the Lord. The house of God is where lives are changed by his presence. The Bethel moments is where broken hearts are mended. The Bethel moments are where shattered lives are again pieced back together. The Bethel moments are where the, where the weary can find rest and the hurting can be healed and the lost can be forever saved. All of this and so much more happens when we get into our own personal Bethel moment like Jacob had. And you don't have to have a church building in order to encounter that you just have to open your heart to the king you just have to open your heart and your life and be willing to have an encounter you can't just walk by it you can't just pretend like it's no big deal you can't just pretend like you know this is insignificant but it has to be a moment it has to be a genuine encounter that changes your life forever and when it happens is when you're going to be able to experience everything that God has promised to you oh hallelujah so back to our text back to our story so now time has passed Jacob has built the altar, has anointed the altar. He's walked away from the altar. He's walked away from Bethel. Time has passed now. One year goes by. Five years go by. Ten years go by. Fifteen years go by. Twenty years go by. And Jacob is still separated from his Bethel moment. He's still separated from that place. He had made some promises. God had made some promises to Jacob. Jacob had an, a, a belief, an understanding, a desire within him that, that one day I'm going to come back to my Bethel. One day I'm going to come back to this spot. That's why I'm putting the rocks up. That's why I'm anointing him because I don't want to ever forget this moment. But after he had the experience, he then turns his back on it and he walks his way and years and years and years and years go by and he does not come back. To Bethel. 20 years since he's had this miraculous encounter with the Lord. He walked away from it on that day and he simply continued to walk away from it for 20 long years. As you read his story, you'll find that he eventually gets married, and, but even in marriage, he was still longing for something more. He thought the marriage would fill some of the void and some of the emptiness that was there, but it didn't fill it all. He worked hard for 20 years, but the work and the satisfaction that work can bring 
did not and could not alleviate the drawing, the drawing that was taking place in his mind and the drawing that was taking place in his soul. He fathered several children, which no doubt brought him much joy and brought him much laughter, but nothing could fill the emptiness inside of him. And always, always within him, hear me now, listen, always within him, there was this longing that he had to once again encounter God's presence in a real way like he had encountered it those 20 years before. Oh, he had walked away from it. He had had this marvelous encounter with God, but then he had walked away from it. And no matter what he did, no matter whatever he tried to accomplish, there was something always within him that was drawing him back to that Bethel moment and and that encounter with God. No, no matter what Jacob achieved in his life, no matter how beautiful his family may have been, no matter that he, what he had gained in the area of wealth and prestige, there was always a calling within him to come back home, the house of God, the home of God, the habitation of God, his Bethel moment, come back home. There was something within him, something within him that would always cry out, something within him that would just speak to him over and over and over, come back home. A calling to come back to the place where he had experienced God in such a powerful and a life-altering way. A calling to come back to the place where he had felt the wonderful love of God. And after all these years and after all his tears, we finally read these words. Genesis chapter 35 and verse 6. Genesis 35 and verse 6. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan. That is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and he called the place El Bethel because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. 20 years later, he comes back to the Bethel in his life. Finally, Jacob makes his way back to the place where he encountered the Lord all of those years ago. I know it may have been 20 years later. I realize he may have made a lot of mistakes in those 20 years. Hear me now. I'm sure there were some regrets in his life at this moment, but he did not allow the length of time that he had been away from his personal encounter with the Lord. He did not allow the mistakes that he had made in that time, and he did not allow the regrets that he may have been feeling in his life to stop him from coming back home, from coming back to his Bethel moment and if I've ever felt the Holy Ghost speak to me about a message I know he talked to me so strongly about this message in prayer for this Sunday service for I have been sent to speak to that individual today who you have fled the house of the Lord you have got caught up in the things of this world you've got caught up in pursuing after your dreams and your goals and your ambitions you have been 
consumed by the desire to experience what is in the world and to gain all you can from what this world might would have to give you and you left you left you had a moment you had your Bethel moments you had you were in the house of God you experienced the presence of God you experienced the power of God but just like Jacob you turned your back on it and you walked away from it and oh we all got excuses they've all got excuses for why they turned their back on the Lord you left because you felt like somebody did you wrong you left because someone didn't do something you thought they they should do for you something didn't happen the way you thought it should happen you left because somebody in leadership a pastor a minister whatever it is you feel like they may have let you down but hear me now it doesn't matter necessarily the reason for your living but the truth is this some your past. You have walked away from the house of the Lord. Somewhere in your past, you've decided that you didn't really need the Lord like you used to need Him and like you once thought you needed Him. So like Jacob, like Jacob you have walked away from the place of your spiritual encounter you've walked away from that place of sweet holy communion with God you've walked away from that place of total dependence upon the Lord but here's what I know hear me now here's what I know if I know anything at all you can try to mask it over with all kinds of other things you can make everybody think that all is well in your life. You can put on a facade that projects that you are right and that everything is right in your life and you are right where you want to be in life. But I know this, I know this, when the lights go off and the crowds leave and all your stuff is put away and you lay your head on your pillow to go to sleep at night and you're there with just your thoughts, not the fake thoughts, not the facades, but the real genuine thoughts and the inner feelings of who you really are not who you're projecting on this world that you are but who you really are I know it's in that moment that you feel that calling to come back home I know it is in that moment you feel the sweet voice of God, the sweet presence of the Lord calling you come back home, come back home and no amount of money can quiet it and no relationship can suppress it and no amount of fame or power or education can silence it for until you obey it or until the day you die you will forever feel and you will forever hear the calling of Almighty God to come back home to Bethel come back home oh hallelujah come on God's talking to somebody right now Oh, God's talking to somebody right now. Don't turn this off. I know you might feel convicted right now. This word might feel make you feel a little uncomfortable just because it's hitting so close to home, but whatever you do, do not turn this off right now. The Holy God of Israel is calling you. Come back home. Come back home. Come back home. Oh, you've tried to drown it out. You've tried to drown it out with alcohol, but you could still hear it with the wine bottle in your hand. 
You've tried to quiet it with popularity, but you could still hear it in the crowded room and the crowded party. You've tried to overpower it by allowing your life to get so busy. I feel to tell this to somebody in the Holy Ghost. You think if I could just get my life just so busy doing this, that, and the other with my kids and my family, my job, my career, whatever, if I can just get busy enough that I will not hear that still small voice calling me to come back home. But I'm trying to tell you, even in the middle of all of your busyness, you're going to still continue to hear God's voice calling you. Because once you have tasted once you have tasted of the goodness of God, once you have been to Bethel, once you have had an encounter with the Lord, once you have encountered His glorious presence, we can never escape the calling of God to come back home. To come back home. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I feel the presence of the Lord right now. I feel the presence of the Lord. He's talking to somebody right now. Come on, don't turn a deaf ear to his presence. Come on, don't turn a deaf ear to what's being spoken into your life right now. Come on, you hear it. This is the voice of God calling you. Come back home. Come back home. Come back home. I turn your attention, and I'm quickly coming to a close. Luke chapter 15 and verse 13, a few verses. Let me to read them to you. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, took his journey to a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to want to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And the citizens sent him into the fields to feed the swine, and he would have fainted, he would have died, unless he filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, because no man would give him anything to eat, verse 17. And when he, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? He said, I'll arise and I'm going to go back to my father's house. I left my father's house. I should have never left my father's house. But now I'm going to get up and I'm going to go back to my father's house. And I'm going to say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and I have sinned before thee. Verse 19, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And so he arose and he came to his father. I want you to notice, and I've made this point on a couple different occasions, but I feel to make it right now for somebody today watching this. Verse 15, if you look at it again, it says, and he left the father's house, and it says that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. He joined himself to a citizen of that country. Notice it does not say that he joined himself to the country or that he became a citizen of, of the country. No, no, no. The closest, the closest he could become to being a part of the world, hear me, was to become friends with somebody who was in the world. That's as close as he could ever get, was to become friends, connected with somebody who was in the world. Hear me now. He could never fully He could never wholeheartedly be a part of the world himself. Why? 
Why? Because we see here the next the, the next verse as he's in the pig pen, we see that there was a calling in his heart. There was a calling in his life to go back to the father's house. Oh, he could party with them. He could drink with them. He could go all the places that they went. He could do every single thing that those people in the world were doing. But he could never be 100% like them. Why? Because there was a calling within him that none of those other people in the world had. There was something within him that had been instilled into him when he was in the Father's house. And you cannot just shake that out of you. And you cannot just rip that out of you. And then go join yourself to the world 100% like the rest of the world does. No, there was a calling within him. It's time to come back to the Father's house. It's time to come back home. And it is so difficult to give yourself totally and completely into this world when that calling is in your mind and that calling is in your heart to come back home. Because of that inward calling, he could never be completely comfortable in the world. And I'm speaking to somebody right now. I'm hurrying. Uh, I'm speaking to somebody right now. And you know who it is that I'm speaking to. And I've been sent to remind you that you have too much befell in you to ever feel comfortable in the world. You've tried. You've tried to feel comfortable in the world. You've tried to fit into the world. You've done. You've watched. And you've, you've patterned yourself. All of your actions are just like the worldly actions. Everything you're doing, your, your, your speech, your actions, everything is just like the people that you've connected yourself to in the world. But there's something within you that knows I am not 100% connected in this world like they are. And what it is, is this. You have too much befell in you. Uh, you will never, ever ever be fully satisfied in the world because at some point in your life you had a powerful experience with God you will never you will never be at home in a worldly system because at some point in your life you had a wonderful marvelous miraculous encounter with the presence of almighty God You've talked in tongues in revival services. You've wept hot tears in powerful moves of God. You've shouted in the aisles. You've danced across camp floors and conference floors. You've heard the Lord put a calling into your life to preach the gospel. You've got a calling on your life to do something great and glorious for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. And you at one point said yes to that call. At one point you fell on your face in an altar and you wept hot tears until everybody else in the room was done praying because that was your Bethel moment. And you said yes to the call of God. You said yes to giving your 
life to the Lord. You said yes to giving all of who you are to all of who he is. Oh, you felt his presence so powerfully that you couldn't even stand in his presence. And you just crumpled to the floor. And here's my point. Do you honestly think that you could experience such deep and dynamic moves of God in your life and then just be able to walk away from it like it never happened at all? Do you think you could just turn your back on all of those things and have it be in your life like it never happened at all? You can't. You can't. You have been exposed to too much of the goodness of God. You've been exposed to the grace of God and the mercy of God and the forgiveness of God and the love of God. You have had too many personal encounters with the Lord to just be able to pretend like it never happened or that it wasn't that important. Jacob, hear me now. Jacob built an altar and it represented his experience with God and it was that altar. It was what that altar represented that kept calling him back, calling him back. It was that altar and what it represented that kept calling out his name. Come back home, Jacob. Come back to Bethel, Jacob. Come back to an experience and a relationship with God, Jacob. So I speak to those who have turned your back on the Lord at some point in your past. I speak to you now in the Holy Ghost. For you need to know that every prayer you ever prayed when you were in church, it was you putting another stone on your altar unto the Lord. Every tear you ever shed at an altar was you putting a stone on your place and your personal Bethel. Every time you danced in the Holy Ghost, every time a shout would leave your lips, it was another stone on your altar. Every promise you ever made to the Lord, every declaration you ever made to the Lord was you putting another stone on your altar of Bethel. Every time you sang the song, I will give you all. I will give you all. Whatever you ask of me, I will give you all. Whenever you sang the songs that said, lead me, Lord, I will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will go. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Every time you sang those songs with sincerity of heart and with sincerity of soul, with tears falling down your face, you were putting another stone on your Bethel altar. And now I'm here to tell you, no matter where you are in life, no matter where you go, no matter how far you may have drifted, no matter how many mistakes you may have made, the altar that you built is calling you, come back home. You built that altar. You built that altar. And nobody can escape the calling to come back home. In five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, doesn't matter. You built at one point in your life. You built. You built it with your own hands, with your own walk with God. You built that altar. And now the very altar you built at one point in your life is calling you now. Come back home. 
come back home. Come back home. You've been away too long. Come back home. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. It doesn't matter the sin that's in your life. The altar that you built with the stones from those altars and those moments, it's still there. The encounter with God, the same God you encountered 30 years ago but walked away from, he's still there. And he wants to meet you at the very same place where you turned your back on him. Come back home. Come back home. Come back home. Somebody needs to come home today. Oh, you've been away too long, sir. You've been away too long, ma'am. It's time to stop with all the excuses. It's time to throw all the excuses and all the reasons that you've been giving. Come on, it's time to rebuke every lie of the enemy that's been keeping you and has been stealing and killing and destroying your life and everything beautiful in your life. It's time for you to make up your mind, I will go back and I will experience Bethel yet again in my life. I'm done, but somebody needs to come home today. And this is why I said what I said at the beginning of the message, because you don't have to wait until the churches are opened back up to have your Bethel moment. You don't have to wait until the governor gives us the all clear and we can open the church doors, be it a month or two weeks or whatever it is from now before you come back to an altar. No, because right there in your living room is a Bethel. Right there in your living room is a Bethel moment. You can encounter God in such a powerful way right there in your living room. Come on, somebody, you need to repent of your sins. We need to repent of our sins. We need to call out to God. We need to tell the Lord we're coming back home. We're coming back home. Yes, God, we've turned our back on you for so long. Yes, God, we've been disobedient to you. Yes, God, we've walked away from our calling. We've walked away from the church. We've walked away from your presence but on this day on this Sunday I'm coming back home I'm coming back home come on pray right now hear me listen as you pray if you're backslider out of this church if you've turned your back from God and you're within this church please call the church office if you're still connected to people in our church call them we want to pray with you we want to connect with you we want to talk to you we want to help you to get back to where God is wanting you to be if you're watching this and you're nowhere near the Chicagoland area I encourage you to find your way back to a United Pentecostal church home you can get online and do a search for United Pentecostal Church and go to that church call that church they're going to help you they're going to help you in your transition back home but listen you don't have to wait you don't have to wait until after the phone call you don't have to wait till the churches are open back up but right here right now in your living room don't worry about who else is there I want you to lift your hands up and I want you to begin to cry out to God I'm coming back home God I repent of my sin God I'm sorry for turning my back on you, God. I'm coming back home, Jesus. We're going to play some music, give you an opportunity to be able to pray and to seek after God as you come back home. We're going to shut off the feed, but we want you to continue to pray. Call our church. We want to help you. Come on, let's reach out to him. Let's reach out to him. God, I love you. God, I need you. God, I hear your voice calling me back home. I'm coming, God. I'm coming back home. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.